0: what got you here won't get you there. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you're not really receptive to this, so why did you call me? I'm not being a douchebag. I just want to know, you wanted advice. We're gonna make $50 million profit this year. We're gonna double that next year, within the next 18 months. There are guys above us, no doubt. I, I say this, look at your inner circle. If you don't get motivated, you have a cage.
1: Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Tommy Mello, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Pleasure being here. Beautiful home. Thank you. What of you? Thanks, man. I love it here. So I know you as a home service expert. I know you got the A1 garage door. Is that correct? That's right. $200 million company, 700 employees. Is that right? Going on 800. Dude, across 20 plus states. Yes, sir. So you've got a massive operation. You built something amazing. But I want to go back earlier. So take me back. Who was Tommy Mello before all that?
0: You know, I'm from Michigan. And as a kid, you shovel snow, mow lawns to make money. Mm, My yeah, mom and yeah. dad got a divorce when I was seven. I learned how to work hard as a kid, man. Mm. You know, I, I washed dishes when I was twelve, year before I was legally able to work, four dollars <laughs> and five cents under the table. Yep. But just what I figured out is I was a grinder. I mean, I was a hustler, and the hustler had to die a few years ago. I needed to start thinking about business to become a better leader, yeah, and a better communicator, better delegator, more discipline, more consistency, all the good stuff. You know, I got a sister who's six years older, has taught me a lot. My mom and dad were big parts of my life, still are. I'm having a lot of fun, man. I really am. I really, a lot of people say this, but I enjoy every minute of every day and mm. I do what I love. And I mix a lot of business and a lot of fun. Like here, this is, I guess, business. Yeah. But this yeah. is really fun. <laughs> so.
1: I think that's one thing I didn't understand when I was younger, because a lot of movies, you watch movies like, I mean, any kid movie when you're a kid, and the rich guy's always a bad guy, and they're always miserable, and they're boring, and they're balding, and they're just like a terrible life. And so, yeah I kind of equate, I think, subconsciously, we all equate wealth or success, maybe with a little bit more boring life, at least as a kid. And so, as I get older, though, and get wealthier and more successful, I realize that's not always the case. I think there's there's a lot of fun to be had in being wealthy, or at least being successful in business.
0: You know, in the Bible, it says... The love of money is the root of all evil, mm, yeah. not money's the root of all evil. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that misconception is money's bad. Yeah. And I want to go first class through life. You know, we were just at Disney World. We did the fast pass. Yeah. yeah. So much fun. Didn't wait at all in lines. Uh, and I'm like, if you could afford it, why not do that every time?
1: Yeah. I have a buddy who has a rule. He's a wealthy guy. I mean, he has money, but he's a rule is when he travels So he's super stingy on everything in his life. He's very, very stingy except travel. He's like, When I travel with my kids, I always opt for the most expensive option in everything we do. So if there's a hotel, most expensive hotel room. And he's like, At the end of the day, it's an extra, you know, 50 grand a year I spend on travel, but now I get just the most luxury fun, exciting memories to have with my kids. And I always like that kind of ideas. He can scrimp and save on buying, you know, bread at Costco. Uh, and then, yeah, he goes out and he goes first class on a lay down seat on the plane every time when they're traveling
0: for. That's what we're doing on the way back from Hawaii. And, yeah. you know, we invested in a pretty nice house and people are like, why would you buy a house? I'm doing an addition. It'll be 25,000 square feet. Wow. People are like, why? And I'm like the memories. I just said my dad's yeah. 70th birthday and his whole family, all of his siblings were there. And it's really about memories. It's yep. not about look at me. It's almost too often. Yeah. There's people in town all the time. I'm like, just stay with me. Yeah. I, I, I love that.
1: I love that too. I have the same thing. Like the place I showed you downstairs, where I told you about, we have that extra unit. I just keep it for family and friends because it's like memories are made in community. Memories are made with people. So if you can spend your money, not on just getting rich to have money for money's sake, but to build those network, that connection, friendships, memories.
0: Yeah. It's, you, you know, that I've always heard your net worth- But your network is your net worth. And I I subscribe to that, 100%. That's why Joe Polish is one of the best connectors I've ever met. Phenomenal. The other day I was like, dude, I'm going to Vegas. Can you connect me? He's like, do you know who Chris Voss is? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. And then like everywhere I go, he connects me with, like, a dozen people. Yeah. And so he's been great at that. And then John Rulin's a big connector, Giftology.
1: Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, He's one of my favorite people. He's coming on the show soon. So. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. That's yeah, great. Happening. Yeah, yeah John, he's a John's good buddy.
1: A, yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah, he actually, John, connected me with
0: uh,
1: a few people, like, just rock stars. That, that like, Oh, he's connecting
0: yeah. me. With, I can't even keep up with him. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm literally getting ready to hire a chief of staff. I got a great EA. But I'm always, like, where can I buy back time? Yeah. Who can I get? Who could I hire? Yeah. I used to be more stingy with the people and like 60, 70 grand. Now I'm like, I yeah. will pay for the best of the best yeah. because they could 10 X my efficiency and give me so much time back. Yeah. And that's really like the biggest game I play now is how do I find more time?
1: We start by talking a little bit about wealth and money. A lot of people in the show don't have it yet. So I want to rewind back and I want to go, how did you build that in your life? And I want to, pivot in a way or, or position in a way that the people listening, by the time they're done with this show, can say, okay, this is a path toward me having financial success as well. So just for those listening, that's where I want to take this today. So let's go back. You started Midwest Kid. What was your mindset
0: around money back then? And how did that change over your life? Well, we didn't have a lot. My mom worked three jobs. We had an opportunity to stay in our house. It wasn't a big house, 1,200 square feet. She showed me what really strong work ethic was. Money was a big obstacle, and I wanted to get that out of the way. Mm. That's why I don't have kids yet. I mean, literally, I I come from a broke. (laughs) It was a broken family, but it was a great family, and they did. I never look back and say I was a victim. Mm. I look back and say this made me, this shaped me who I am. Mom and dad did the best they could with what they had. I just always learned work hard, work harder, work harder. You love these guys that I see all over the internet, you know, these (laughs) <laughs> but but they say, I work harder, I get up earlier, I work later, I yeah, work yeah. weekends, I work holidays. I do not work anybody yeah. anymore. Yep. I out-delegate them. But, you know, I got into, like, one day I, I woke up and I saw this really cool Bowflex commercial, and I'm like, I need to buy one, but I'm not spending 2400 bucks. So I go on Arizona Republic, right? I open the Sunday News, and I find one. I highlight it, and I call the guy up. He goes, dude, you're the seventh guy that called today. And the guy already came and picked it up, paid cash. And my roommate's walking by, he goes, Have you ever heard of this thing called Craigslist? <laughs> so I'm like, No. So I go on back then, it was like not a big thing, but Craigslist, I went on Craigslist, I found four Bowflexes, bought them all, put an ad in Arizona Republic. I said, Keep it <laughs> running. I ran that ad for four years. I bought and sold over 500 Bowflexes. Wow. And I'd buy them for three, 400 bucks, sell them for 1500. Yeah. I mean, there were days that I'd sell four in a row. And then I figured it out, total gyms. I saw Chuck Norris on the total gym, and I'm like, I'm going to go buy those on Craigslist and sell them in the Arizona Republic. Mm. And then I started flipping cars, and I was bartending, and I could make a lot of money. The problem was, whenever I went on vacation, I wouldn't make anything. Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about the rich dad, poor dad, is do you make money when you sleep? That's true wealth. So I had to figure out how to delegate, and I I say what happened to me was Murphy's Law. If it could go wrong, it did. Mm. I mean, people stole from me. Cars got totaled. I had family working for me. I've had to fire a family. So if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. But it also shaped everything I have. And I just became an avid reader. The first book, my CPA in 2006 handed me this book. And he goes, this book will change your life. It was by Michael Gerber. Mm, The E-Myth. The E-Myth Revisited. revisited, And I said, the last book I read was To Kill a Mockingbird in like 11th (laughs) grade. So let me read it. So I read it in two days. I came back to him and he said, here's the Red Bible. It's called The Ultimate Shells Machine by Chet Holmes.
1: Oh, so good, man.
0: So then I devoured that, and then he handed me The Richest Man in Babylon. Yep, And I just became this avid reader, and it changed my life. I actually enjoy reading. I read a lot of books. I'm looking at your shelf going, those are great books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm
1: obsessed with reading. Because reading is like, you get a genius person who's been through 10, 20, 30 years of an industry... Taking all their best stuff in a exactly. format you can understand, and then giving to you for twenty bucks. That's exactly like, it. And how then absurd!
0: You study that stuff, and some people love Audible. Yep, I like both. I'll yep. read the book and I'll listen to the Audible. Yeah. I get different things in both of them.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that stuff. So impacted my life as well. I mean, those same books: E Myth Revisited, uh, Michael Gerber. That book. I reread it recently. I'm like, it's not a greatly written, like, not a wonderfully written book. Like, it's kind of like flowy and weird. And I'm like, how is this like the biggest business book of all time? But it's because it's, it's a story and it's multiple stories and it affects lives. Rich Dad Poor Dad, not the best written book. In fact, Kiyosaki says that. I'm not best writing author, I'm best selling author, is one of his quotes. Uh, when I look at you know, Richard Man in Babylon, same thing. Uh, that one's just a unique one, but they're all stories and they just change our stories. our souls.
0: And so I'm writing a book right now with Mark Victor Hansen, Talk Super mm, yeah. the Soul. And he said, do you want to sell 10X what you've ever sold? I said, of course. He said, well, then we got to write a story, and it's got to be fiction. Yep. So we're writing a book about ADHD. Mm. Do you have that? Yes. Really? You know, it's a loose term. Yeah. But I can definitely stay focused, but I just tell people, listen, what I need is I need to be excited. Mm. I need to be entertained. When I got a master's degree, I didn't pay attention most of the time. Mm. I was, like, building links and editing videos for my garage door business in 2010, 11, 12. But as long as I'm – I can focus probably better than anybody if I'm entertained. And I'll sit in the front row, and I'll suck it all in. I'll be a sponge, and I'll implement. That's one of the biggest things I see. Mm. I have events thousands of people. Very few in the crowd are actually – they take a lot of notes, but they don't implement. They're afraid to get started. They let fear run their lives. They're victims. And they're saying, if I just got lucky, and I say, is it one day – Or is today day one? Are you ready to start and take a chance? And it might fall flat on your face, but be willing to take that chance. And it's an educated chance. And that's what I see mega, mega billionaires, the richest, wealthiest, happiest people. They don't want to take chances and they don't want to take calculated risks. Mm, I love it, man. So why garage doors? Why did you get into that business? Where'd that come from? I kind of just fell into it. My roommate at the time, we were paying $700 rent. There was three of us. So my (laughs) rent was 200 bucks. And i always lived well below my means. And my roommate was a manager at a garage door company and said, do you know how to paint garage doors? I need a painter. And I said, no idea, but I'll learn how much does it pay. He goes, 100 bucks a door, you gotta cover the paint. So I hired a painter, this old man. He taught me on three jobs. I paid him double what I was getting. And so I started painting garage doors and I could paint 10 in a day. So I paint 10 on Saturday, 10 on Sundays. And then my other roommate, Gabe, started to be a technician, and he goes, listen, you're killing in the landscaping space. I don't know anything about business. I don't even know how to build an LLC. Would you do a ride along with me and see if this is something you're interested in? And I loved it. I'm allergic to grass, so it was so oh, really? much better than landscaping. <laughs> so so I, I got into it, and I mean, we got into the ValPack. We got into the Yellow Book. Big mistake, Yellow Book. And that's why we called it A1. It was the first in the phone book. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I did, but- Literally, I love marketing, I love sales. So when I ran calls, when I was on the phones, I'd book every call, I'd sell everything. We used a software called Clad Genius and posted 300 ads a day on Craigslist.
1: Hmm.
0: And I mean, I was the cheapest. Uh, that's how I started. That's how I think a lot of people start is you go and saying, look at the marketplace, do a little bit more for a little bit less. Yeah. That's what we did. And now I'm, I would say we're the top price, the best value. hmm Top
1: price, best value. Yeah. That's good, man. Do you think that was the right approach? Or do you have to earn your
0: way to become top price, best value? Well, a lot of people say raise your prices. And I say don't raise your price if you don't have wrap trucks, if you don't show up with a background check, a drug test, yeah. and offer the customer coffee on the way, mm. and show up the same day when they call. Yeah, Don't raise your price unless you're going to raise your level of service. And I say, this is what we're known for. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you should do. But if you were my mother... yeah. My mom I love more than anything in the world. Here's exactly what I'd be telling mom to do. And I look customers in the eye, I smile, I tell stories. Yeah. I try to care about our customers more than they care about themselves. Yeah. If it's a grandma, I'm helping her take down the Christmas tree. That's how we built the company is taking care of people mm-hmm. and smiling and making them have an experience. They'll never remember exactly what they pay, but they'll remember the way we made them feel and the service we gave them. And it's important. I always think about if you have kids, mm-hmm and your wife's home alone do you want to be able to trust the guy and know that he's doing the best thing and he's welcoming your home because everything's taken care of and that's few and far between in the blue collar industry yeah
1: i was going to say i feel like the competition is less in that space because there's so much uh, riffraff is that the wrong word of like just like just fly by night contractors guys that you wouldn't trust they don't look like you would trust them they show up in a you know oh they're an old beat up yeah old beat up man. yeah yeah exactly exactly and you're just like oh do i trust this guy so when you show up like i would pay significantly more for people who showed up on time. In fact, one, one of the things I teach people all the time is like like when I was a contractor, I was a contractor for a while. It's like, if you just answer your phone and show up on time, you're better than 90%. 100%. Just, yeah, just doing that. The competition's less. You can charge more. Everyone's generally happier. You can then afford to hire better people to work
0: for you. It's like a win, win, win. So why don't more people do that? Well, like I said... We started out as great technicians. Most business owners were really good at the job. They didn't know about financials. They didn't know about leadership. They didn't know about recruiting all-stars. I always say one A player equals three B players. And the first thing I learned is performance pay. Have them have skin in the game. The employees Mm. should all be paid, even the person answering the phones on performance. Mm. So that was a game changer. And, you know, in 2017, I started the podcast. I had a guy named L.E.V. on. And he wrote a book called The Seven Power Contractor. And he came into my office and said, I could have stole all your inventory with your own forklift and you wouldn't have known. Mm -hmm. He's like, And I was doing 25 million, but I wasn't keeping a lot. And he said, Can I work with you? I ended up giving him over 350 grand over the next three years. And he changed my life. We wrote the manuals, we wrote standard operating procedures. He taught me how to delegate. We redid our org chart. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, a lot of people brag about revenue. And here's what I learned revenue is for vanity and profit (laughs) is for sanity. Yeah, yeah. And we are, on the 200000000 million, we're at 23% EBITDA, and oh. we're going to hit 30%. So now I've learned, when you get into a room with people, talk about profit instead of revenue, because everybody kind of holds up their yep. chest and beats it and says, here's how much revenue we're bringing. In, <laughs> in,
1: in real estate, do the same thing with doors, right? I've got 10,000 doors, which is true, but doesn't say anything about profit. I could be making zero money on 10,000 doors, and the guy who owns one duplex that's making 500 bucks a month is doing significantly better than me. Like Alex. (laughs) My real estate does real well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to get caught up in those vanity metrics and to say like, yeah, number of doors, top line revenue. I hate them. Yeah. The conversation of brain about top line revenue. I'm just like, it's completely irrelevant. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter unless you're valuing a company, you know, in a startup that says we're going to pay you whatever 10 X, whatever your top line is,
0: which happens, but it's crazy, but the world is changing. Yeah. I'll say this as interest rates go up. I was just talking to a buddy about this. He's, Sell this company for a couple hundred million. And he goes, if you're not a really great, well-oiled machine, yeah. the multiples are going down significantly because yep. the way private equity works yeah. is they need to borrow money most of the time to buy businesses. So with my deal, literally last summer, and I'm bouncing all over the place. Please. But, it's all right, man. Um, it's
1: a real conversation. I love it.
0: Last summer, I had a buddy come out on my board, and his name's Tom Howard. And he goes, listen, you know I told you never to sell your company because you got a cash cow. He goes, how many letter of intents do you have out? I said, I have 12. He goes, how do you plan on paying for all those? I said, well, I got a $30 million delay draw term loan from BMO, but they want a 90 day seasoning between companies. So So they're buying, for you to go out and buy companies. I could go buy a company, but they wanted 90 days of financials. They wanted to see it was great before they give me another one. And and not to mention I had 47 other NDAs. So Mm. I have more opportunities than I have money. Yep." And he said, listen, we went to a a place called Oregano's. We had dinner. We went home and whiteboarded and watched the movie The Big Short. And he said, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And he said, I think you could get a really good multiple for your company, but you've got much more upside by buying these companies. There's a word, my favorite word in the English dictionary is arbitrage. Mm. And so what I figured out was, I'm going to do a deal. And we went into like... It was crazy. I lost a little bit of hair through the process. Like I got <laughs> alopecia and like I couldn't sleep. And it was stressful because, you know, with a transaction of this size, more than half a billion dollars, yeah, it was stressful. And they looked into every nook and cranny. Like I had to have somebody go through all my social media, delete any politics, all the mm-hmm. stuff. But it worked out. I got a great partner at Cortec. I, I rolled 47% into the new deal. And out of the A one transaction, we had an equity incentive program, which I'm really proud of. Twenty five millionaires came out of it. Wow! So, dude, that's amazing. Yeah, li- yeah, it was. You great. listening? I'm,
1: <laughs> I can't give you equity of a nonprofit, but we're getting there, man. Uh, dude, that's that's unreal, and that's something I don't think people think about enough when it comes to like growing a company and then selling it or selling part of it. Is that it's the People you make wealthy along the way, like it's not 100%. just you. It's your are sharing.
0: Well, I was thinking I could have had a little flute of champagne at the top of the mountain, yeah. Or we could be sharing a magnum bottle with a lot of great people. Yeah. And when I did that, I didn't know what I did that because I saw people put their blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into the company. Yep. But what happened was now everybody's rolling in the same direction. Yep. They're working nights, nice weekends yep. to get this deal wrapped up, and we went literally from 14 million EBITDA to 27 million in one year. Wow. And now our goal is to grow 30% organically per year and grow 30% through acquisitions. And over a three-year period, which PE will hold for three years because of capital gains treatment, 110 is my number, 110 million. And I'd like to have a couple billion out of that. And in the process, make hundreds of millionaires this time. Yeah, And then I want to do it again. And that's what my passion is, is taking companies. And I only look at four KPIs. I, I look a lot into the financials, but I could fix any company in the world with these four KPIs. I need to look at your average ticket. I need to look at your what, kind of, sorry ticket. What do you mean by that? Average ticket. So average sale, average okay, yeah, household okay. Uh, ticket. Okay. And include zeros in that because a lot of people don't include zeros, which is a mistake. The next one I look at is conversion rate. Okay. What's your conversion rate? The next one I look at is your call booking rate or form fills, however you take leads in. It could be through click funnels, it could be an online site, uh, could be anything, could be a dental office. And the third the fourth one is your cost per acquisition, CPA. And if I know those four things, I can almost fix mm-hmm. any one of those. But I find one of them, usually the booking rate is in the gutter. Yep. It's like a 60, 50. So the national average booking rate of home service companies is 42%. Mine's 87.7.
1: What does booking rate look like? I mean, like they call you and then you have an appointment with them. Is you got to book the appointment. So okay. usually
0: people want to know, hey, I got a broken spring. or I'm yeah. looking for a door quote over the phone and I need to know what your service call is. So yeah. I found that uh, a $40 service calls a good one, but we'll waive it if we're in the area. I don't want to lose the job. So yeah. many people right now, they're complaining about, I'm not getting as many leads. What's going on? Well, no shit. Mm. It's not COVID anymore. Yep. The demand's lowering yep. down. And they want to complain about Bidenomics. They want to complain about Ukraine, Russia. They want to complain about China. They want to yeah. complain about all these things that they can't fix it. Yeah. What about the things you can't control? Like for GarageBridge, they said, you'll never be able to sell a service agreement. We have 34500 service agreements <laughs> at 12 bucks a month wow, per household. And they said, you'll never be able to do financing. And we never call it financing. We call it promotions. And now 30% of our transactions go through financing. And so I studied HVAC is how we learned. Mm. And then it's interesting. So after I met Al Levy, I started the podcast. Al said, hey, listen, you're a premium company. I don't like your wraps. He said, it doesn't really pop to me. So I hired a guy called Dan Antonelli and his company is called Kick Charge. And he said, why do you have all this stuff on the side of your truck? We know you do springs, rollers, cables, bearings. Get rid of that. Don't put the BBB. Don't put Angie's List. Don't put Yelp. Just put what you do and have it pop. So we put like a caricature of my face and it could be anybody. Once I got the brand dialed, and the core values, mission, vision, and made the website look like the truck, look like the yard signs, look like the sticker. It created this brand that not only lowered my marketing cost, it raised my price book, but mm. it also became a recruiting machine. Dan, I think is the best in the world at branding home service companies. He's done, if you name a massive billion dollar company, he's probably done it. And people always go, why would I spend $30,000 on that? I go, well, You're gambling with your whole life, your family's life. Don't you want to be a premium brand that you cannot show up, like you said, in a not good-looking truck without a good uniform? It allows so many things. It's the best ROI you'll ever get is branding your company correctly. That's where I think marketing starts. Mm, I love it. That's it. Is that it? Let me see it. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Those are my Max Life Springs too. So Max Life Springs are trademarked. Uh, so we trademark all of our parts because apples to apples, we sell oranges. That's yeah. what I tell people. Yeah, I love that, man.
1: I love it. So why, why, and maybe the, maybe the answer isn't, but why home services is that, why is that the answer to building wealth?
0: Like for you, like why was that your path? I wanted to be a dentist, and then I went an intern with a dentist, and he said, "I'm still in debt. I'm 47 years yeah. <laughs> old, and it took a long time to get here." and Home service to me is essential. AI is not gonna replace home service anytime yep. soon. And not to mention, there's a lot of competitors, but I just feel like if you do the things that I've learned, it took me 17 years to learn these things. Standard operating procedures, delegation, manuals, the right branding. Yep. And A1 is different from most companies is we could build technicians. So if I'm at a restaurant and I meet an awesome busboy who's hustling, mm-hmm. smiling, just very attentive. I'm recruiting that guy. I'm taking a selfie. I'm getting his cell phone number, texting him a picture and saying, I'd love for you to do a ride along. Now he Mm. won't respond. The next day I'll get a testimonial from one of my guys talking about this bus boy. Hey, Greg, you need to do a ride along, bro. I just bought a house. I'm making $120,000 a year. I got the full benefits. And if guys hit the pinnacle club, they get equity in the company. That's freaking awesome. Who's going to make that? And here's a cool thing. You can work five days a week. You're not putting in 60 hours. It's way different than the restaurant life. I know because I did it for a long time. And so I'm a hardcore recruiter. People say always be closing. I say always be recruiting. And when I get the best of the best, it's amazing. I got a text message strand with like 10 of my top guys. Yesterday, two guys each did over 40 grand each. That's unheard of. In most, you know, roofing, you'll get that. Sometimes HVAC, but in garage doors. And it's not even about the money. It's just about the success. Like, we hired a dream manager, and we ask every single employee. We, we sit down and we get, what's your dreams? What are your goals? What's your bucket list? What do you care about? Do you want to take your dad on a fishing trip? Do you want to take your wife to renew your vows? Do you want to take your kids to Disney World? If we focus on what they want and helping them achieve what they want and mm-hmm. peel back that onion and have them dream again, we can move oceans. I mean, it's crazy what they'll do. So we've created a calculator to show all your performance pay. And if you do this, we'll help you get your goal quicker. So therefore, when they win, we celebrate. So I don't mind if a guy makes 300 grand because I know we're all doing good. Yeah, A lot of people are like, man, this guy makes more than me. And I'm like, well, you set up the commission structure, the performance pay. So you should be happy when people make great money. Yeah. That's the one thing is like, I love to be able to take care of our people. That's the most important thing. People say the clients are the most important thing. But when you got the great internal clients, everything goes smoother. Yep, They'll recruit for you. They'll go get clients for you. They'll pass out cards at gas stations. Like it's incredible what our team does. And I'll bleed for our team. They all know I'll do anything. Like they're the most important thing for me is taking care of the people that I work with. I once heard Gary
1: Vaynerchuk, somebody asked him like, what is your best advice for something like having a great culture or what like, growing a big team or whatever and he's like remember this you work for them like they don't work for you you work for them and i love that if you can get that mindset right of like i'm there to support my team i'm there to grow them they will take care of your wealth and your business and everything just fine but they have to believe that you're in it for them and you want them to win so one of the phrases i use at opener capital all the time my real estate company i say this is the last job if you work here, this is the last job you ever have to have. That's my goal is that everybody here at some way will win. You know, some people will win with $50 million. Somebody might win with a million dollars down the road. But if we hit our goals, if we do this right, like this is the last job they all have to have. Uh, at least everybody from, you know, at some point we start getting too many employees where the guy making eight bucks an hour is a you know, handyman at a park. Maybe he's going to still, uh, you know, have to have a job. But I love that push of like, I'm going to take care of you if you take care of me.
0: Yeah, well, I always go will or skill problem. If it's a will problem, it's hard to fix. If it's a skill, I'll train you to the day I die. In football, I play two-a-days, so mm. I practice 10 times a week to play one game. Yeah. And let me just tell you, in business, they don't practice 10 times to play once. Mm. They say, do a ride-along for two weeks, and you're on your own forever. One of the things I was going to tell you is Andrew Carnegie, mm. the man who built it. I actually haven't watched it. Oh, you'll love that. Okay,
1: I'm going to watch Andrew it. Andrew
0: Carnegie said, take away all my steel mills, take away all my money, Take away all the railroads, take away everything. Leave me with my core team. I'll have it all back in two years. Mm. And I hire for my weaknesses and I hire people that are way smarter than me. You know, usually, typically the owner, the founder likes to be able to say, I can solve that, yeah. I'll deal with it. And you become this firefighter trying to solve everything. Mm. And in my opinion, I can't really have a smart conversation with our CFO. He's light years ahead of me. Yeah, (laughs) And the president of our company. And you look at our COO. And you look at the C-suite and the director levels. And it's like, these guys are so smart. Yeah, And I give them a lot of freedom. I don't micromanage anybody. I looked at our deck that we went over. It's 190 pages for the month. And... We're just KPI driven, like we know down to the detail. We gotta lower our discounting rate. We've gotta collect better. We're getting 2% bad debt, which is $3 million of EBITDA. Our warranty rate is at 6.5%. If I move that down to 2%, that's $6 million of EBITDA. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, it's gonna be hard to compete because they're not looking at the right numbers. And normally they don't don't know. They don't know what they should be focused on. They walk in, they don't know how to read a balance sheet or an income statement. Mm -hmm. They don't understand performance pay. They're not great leaders. 83% 83% of employees say they won't leave a company because they have a best friend there. How do mm-hmm. you make a best friend? You got to take them out bowling. You got to get them eating together and the wives and husbands introduced and intertwine that family. If you do that properly, you'll have way less turnover, way happier people. And people say money is you got to pay more. And I believe in paying more, but there's so much more than money for millennials. Yeah, They want to be at a place that's growing. And I walk into some offices and it's so dingy. It's dark. There's no coffee machines. It's like, and I was like that. And one day my buddy walks in and he goes, dude, you got to do something with this. He's like, this is not a place I'd like to work. And he came back. And he goes, this will be your number one asset for recruiting is your place is beautiful. And it shows that you have pride and you've got your logo and you've got your core values and you're helping these people succeed and win. We're and, building our office right now. Bro, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. <laughs> Same reason. I'm like, I need a place to yeah. flourish. Yep. Yeah. It'll make or break everything. I mean, <laughs> it's gonna make, make, it, make, it. It's gonna make <laughs> everything. Make <laughs>
1: everything. Gonna make it, <laughs> dude. All right. So home service stuff. When we talk about home services, I want to go back to a little bit. You. I mean, obviously, like garage doors, including that, HVAC, including that. I would assume. Like, what's home
0: services? What? HVAC what all? Plumbing, encompasses electrical, it? solar, uh, roofing, gutters, anything. Concrete work, front doors, windows, pest control. Pest control is mm-hmm. massive right now. Yeah. Terminix is trading at a thirty x. They did an IPO. Wow. I mean, people are getting five times revenue. Wow. 25, twenty-five, thirty times EBITDA, it's nuts. That's nuts. Why is Terminex trading so high? I mean, why is that well, pest control? what here's what they figured out. During COVID, movie theaters, bowling alleys, nail salons, hotels, yeah. even Airbnb, everything suffered. They yes. closed down. There was bankruptcy going. I mean, there was some PPP and there was ERC credits, but overall they struggled. Yeah. Home service, we were deemed essential. Yeah. We're a safe bet. If there's another variant that comes out of covid we're still got to go out there and fix stuff. Yeah. And so we became essential. And now what PE and a lot of high-level investment banks and and different things like that what they decided was maybe these guys aren't dumb. They might, might be blue collar, yeah. but maybe they got something here. Mm. And success leaves clues everywhere. Like I went out and I I started studying Hvac and I looked the one reason I did it is I said who has the most private jets? And I saw the HVAC guys all on private jets. Mm. And I'm like, I gotta learn up from this industry, but I took what I learned and moved it into garage doors. And now everybody's like, garage doors is so easy. Like I'm gonna get into the garage door space. I'm like, the way I look at a home service company is I run 18,000 calls a month. If I did HVAC, if I did roofs, I'd already have $10 billion. Mm. I happen to be in garage doors. There's a lot of pros and cons, right? The pros are there's not a lot of competition. I'm able to roll up a lot of stuff. I'm the platform. The cons are ticket average will never be as high as HVAC or roofing. It just it won't. Yep. I think home service is a great category because I just I understand it so much now. I spent the last 20 years, if you include the landscaping, yep. doing home service. Not to say I'm not doing real estate. Not to say I'm not going to get involved. I just invested in a, a, probably a stupid investment, but a, a restaurant. <laughs> mm. And it's not something that's, like, fun for me. but Those always go well. Come on. Well, the good news is the way that I structured it is I get paid back 110%, okay. 85% of the profit, and okay. I own 45%. Okay, that's cool. So the chances I should be paid back within 14 months.
1: Because you're looking at your risk. like Yeah, you're looking at your risk and saying, how do I decrease my risk from all the money I'm putting in as fast as
0: possible? Because the restaurant might make it a year or two. Not all of them are going to make it 10 years. They had a good track record, but. From now on, pretty yeah. much every investment. I work with Goldman Sachs, mm. and I'm getting, what, 5.6% just in the money market? Yeah. I mean, it's killer. But ultimately, diversified portfolio. I'm investing in different home service companies. But A1's still my baby. Yep. I mean, A1 is where I got to keep my eye on the ball. I'm the CEO. I work, for now, Cortec. I'm a W2. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think they'd want to run this without me. I'm still the leader. They yep. let me make all the decisions. But overall... These guys are smart, like really, really, really smart. We went from 17 to 23, and we're going to get to 30%. They've been through this rodeo. They know exactly what to look for. They handed me a PowerPoint of 50 slides. They said, duplicate this with your company. And it took us 90 days to duplicate it, and then they went like this. They started circling things. They knew exactly what to do, and they said, fix this, 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 and this this month. Yeah. Then do this, 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 and this. And they're like, they just told us at the last meeting, they said, you guys are – or golden child like literally you guys no one's performing no one's hitting budget no home service companies are hitting budget this year mm. and they said you guys figured out a way to do it and keep it up and i'm like listen i don't want to be in this for seven to ten years like a lot of times companies are yeah. so so we're going to 4x the business in three years
1: i mean you said it was stressful <laughs> losing some hair trying to sell that company but what went into that decision why is it just because you could take money off the table? Were you looking more at their expertise coming
0: in, or was that kind of a cool surprise at the end? So there's several reasons. Ken Goodrich with Ghetto called me up. He's a big, big influence for in the home service space. He was on my board. He said, you're going to learn so much, dude. Mm. At the time I was 39, he's like, you are going to learn so much from these guys. Number two is I had more opportunities than I had cash. Yep. So I figured I could 10X the business or double it myself and take on all the risk. And really... I felt like it was a good outcome for the 25 people because now they can start living. Yep. You know, a lot of people say, keep the money, keep growing the business, but they don't realize all the other people involved. Yeah. And I think it's selfish to build a company and not be able to share. Yeah. We did what's called a quality of earnings. Then we did a uh, audited financials by a big four. And we went through the process. There was millions of dollars spent with lawyers, millions and millions. Yeah. I think 82 companies sell our deal, 39 bid on us. And then it came down to lots and lots of dinners and mm-hmm. lots of presentations. I remember that days. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. it was fun, but also now that I've been through it, everybody's like, we want to know how to do what you did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's not for the faint at heart. Yeah. Like, you've got to really have your shit together. Yeah. But it was fun. And now we're going to do it again. I might be a little cocky, but I think I could do this with a lot of home service companies. Yeah. There's a certain equation. And a lot of it has to do with recruiting the right people and the CFO was the biggest missing piece for me for 10 years. People don't understand why you would pay a CFO a ton of money, but they renegotiate all your contracts. They understand all the tax laws. They tell you when to hit the gas. They understand rebates. They understand how to do co-op dollars with your people. They understand how to get terms from 30 days to 90 days when mm-hmm. you're paying stuff, which is keeping money in your pocket. Just the taxes alone, a good CFO could help with, it's incredible. So I recommend if you can't afford a five hundred thousand dollar CFO, get a fractional CFO that makes five hundred grand. Yeah, you might pay him eighty grand, but you'll get the expertise get a of a half a million dollar person. Well, hey man, I want to dig into how you find your top level
1: people. Like it's different, like finding the guy who can install a garage door. But I want to go into how do you find a the CFO or a COO or like that level person. But before we get there, I do want to get to today's show sponsor. You know, one thing on this show that we do is every every dollar from every base of ad revenue that comes in on the show goes towards a charity of the guest choosing. So the question for you is, uh, what breaks your heart? Where should we send this money to?
0: So, John Hopkins Center for Health Security. I Just believe what they're doing. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of charities I invest in. But I will say this. When it comes to charity, what I would tell people is look in your own backyard first. Yeah. Because a lot of people give to a lot of charity, and they almost do it for publicity. Mm -hmm. And I think if you got a single mom with bald tires on her car, or maybe they don't have a Thanksgiving dinner, or they don't have Christmas presents, or maybe just they don't have enough money to get their house cleaned, is is look in your own backyard first. That's all I would say. I love charities, and I love the ones that make it down to the cause. Yep. Because as you know... 5013 c they could be masked in like the Clinton Foundation. (laughs) I can give you like a dozen that I just don't feel like make it to the end. Cause, yeah, yeah,
1: I love it, man. Well, let's roll the ad, and uh, that's where we'll send the money. Hey, do you ever feel like the universe conspires against you every time you try to get a loan for your rental properties or flips? I mean, application errors, endless paperwork those uh, ever elusive documents. Look, we've all been there. It drives me nuts. And that's what led me to create Better Life Real Estate Funding, or Better Life REF for short. It's built specifically for real estate investors uh, because we have quirky loan needs. So whether it's a refinance of a burr, a house hack purchase, a fix and flip hard money loan, or something totally else, we've got you covered. So drop the hassle and let's chat. Visit betterliferef.com today. That's betterliferef, R-E-F, betterliferef.com. All right, dude, let's go into amazing people. How do you find your VPs, your CEO or COO? Like the people that are just like that level, where are you finding them from? And how do you make sure you get the
0: right person at that level? So the best the best recruiters in the country, they don't go to the unemployment line. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah. They go on LinkedIn and they find somebody with experience. And typically you got to really work on identifying the box you want the person. And so many people, they hire people, then they build the box. If you yeah. build the box first, And you got to come up with what can they affect in the outcome? So when I needed to hire Dan Miller, he's the president, and he shifted a lot of things. There's a company called Cowan. They were the the people that did the deal for us. And I called Eric. He was on my board, and I said, I need to find the baddest-ass person in the world for this position. So he goes, you got to call this lady, Blair Miller. She's really good at what she does. So I call her. We spent three days talking on the phone, and she calls me up a week later, and she goes, I got your guy. And I go, why aren't you supposed to give me like 10 resumes? <laughs> like, And she's like, if you could get this guy, he is the best at what you're looking to do. I brought him on. We, we did a kind of a test run. Six months as a 1099. Make sure we get along great. I recommend that for anybody. 100%. Then we brought on a CFO, and then we brought on a really great controller. Then we brought on a uh, Blake, came on as corporate development. We really spent a lot on our HR team. We have a well-rounded company. And what I've noticed is... I'll spend a lot more money on the best. And here's the way to get the best people in the world. Is an equity incentive program or profit units. Yep. So the way that profit units and an equity incentive program work is they don't get anything of where the company's at today. So let's just say the company's worth $100 million. That's the line that they come in at. Okay, so yeah. if we get it to $500 million and they get a percent, then they make $4 million. They make above that threshold. So it helps for recruiting. But it also helps them really try hard and not turn over. Yeah. Because they're like, if I leave, if they get fired or leave on their own, it washes the vesting period. So I think equity incentive programs are the number one way to grow a business. And when you do an IPO with stock options, it's the same thing, but it's a public traded company. Yeah. So they just give stock options and that allows them to basically have golden handcuffs.
1: Yep. Yeah. In my uh, real estate company, I only own 42% of it myself. The other 58% is owned by my employees or my partners slash employees. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Cause I wanted to make sure like at the time when it was kind of negotiating all those things in the beginning, there was that like the greed part of my soul is like, Oh, I don't want to give up equity. That can make a lot of money. But what I just realized is that it was it's not a cost. It's an investment. So my team, like that, you know, a dozen people have equity in those deals they are so bought in. I mean, they work way harder than I work, Like, cause they're so bought in, cause it's, it's gonna change all their lives. Um, yeah, in it does. a huge way.
0: A lot of people, you gotta be very careful when you're giving equity away. Yeah. And there's different vesting periods. It could be a time-based, yep. also could be performance-based. You don't have to use equity. There's other units that just are a set amount. Yeah. So if you don't want to give more than 300,000 away, let's just say it's lower in the org chart, you could give 300 grand away over four year vesting. So there's so many ways to do it. Actually at the Freedom Event, that's one of the biggest questions I get is, how do you do performance pay? Mm. How do you do an equity incentive program? So we're gonna be covering that. I love it. And then right now I think is the time to be leaning out your company. What do you mean by that? The first thing I do is say all these people, I gotta be loyal to them. And one of them's a brother-in-law who's been useless for the last five years, but I gotta be loyal. And I need to keep the entire staff. Mm. Versus what do you do for the company? Because if the company goes bankrupt, then everybody's out of a job. Yep. So what I would say is now's is the time to make sure you're top grading, leaning out, building systems, and every lead counts. Everybody says I need more leads, but I look at their leads and their conversion rate and their booking rate, and I'm like, guys, you could do more within these four walls than you're doing. You don't sell service agreements. Raise your prices, but raise your level and your value. Yeah. You raise your level of attentiveness with the client. Show more apathy on the phone. Get the people to care more, and you do that through culture.
1: Okay, when people build a business, they end up hiring their brother-in-law, and they hire their best friend from high school, and they build this little thing, and then it ends up sometimes taking off and doing really well. And at some point, you're like, all right, this was the C-Squad. These are my friends, and they were great, but now I need talent and sometimes you have to lose the people at the bottom i'm not looking at you alex talking about me. <laughs> no no sometimes <laughs> i see i have learned to hire at the top so i hired alex but you have to get rid of the people at the, uh, sometimes at the lower end how do you do that they're your friends they're your family i
0: think it starts from the beginning and this is what i would tell people is first thing you do when you hire a friend or a family member is say listen no matter what thanksgiving's got to go well mm, yeah so you'll never report to me and understand yep our relationship comes first. So you're never gonna report to me because that's not fair. And just know that if you don't perform up to the level, we've gotta make a decision for the good of the company. And if you go into that with that kind of, if you don't do this, I've seen father and son never speak again because of business like American choppers. Yeah. I don't know if they're talking. Yeah, <laughs> But that's one of the things that I think is important to set that up and not have friends and family report directly to you even when you're a small company. Hopefully you could have a GM or somebody CFO or you know COO that someone's reporting to. And if you're a small company it's called a GM. I I hated it when everybody started the C suite at A1. I was like, "What? What who, 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 who? that's a fancy title, but yeah. I didn't really care."
1: <laughs> I'm going to shift it a little bit here. Should somebody buy or build a business if they want to build wealth right now? Buy or build? Home service. We'll go home service specifically. Okay,
0: so here's the biggest mistake that every business owner does is they don't have enough money when they start. There's a reason why I could build a billion-dollar business over and over and over because I've got hundreds of millions now to throw at it. Mm. So what's awesome is I get the arbitrage if I am a platform company. Because I could buy things for 3X and sell it for 10X. So the day I buy a company, let's just say I'm buying, for the sake, just chimney companies, yep. right? Chimney Repair and Installation. They're doing a million dollars of EBITDA. I buy them for 3 million. Yep. But because I'm an aggregator, I'm worth 10. Yep. So I buy them for 3 that day, I got $7 million of arbitrage. Mm. $7 million. And it's better than drug dealing. Because you can buy <laughs> drugs in, like, Colombia maybe, for this price and sell them here for triple or quadruple. But in business... There's actually a multiple that's greater than that. Yeah. And if you keep an eye on the business, it's so awesome. In my opinion, there's a reason Grant Cardone is going into Hvac. And yep. He's going into all home service. Yeah, I've seen that too. There's yeah. a reason why real estate's a great investment. No one's yep. going to ever not say that. I mean, the Augusta tax rule, advanced depreciation, yeah. I, my buildings in an opportunity zone like Yeah, all I, mean, that I do stuff. a lot of this uh, cost segregation studies. Like I do all this, but you look at what you could do at home service. And you know what, everybody's trying to get into it, but I'm glad I got a twenty year head start. Yes. And I know I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so people want to partner with a guy like me because I don't lie, cheat, or steal. Like when I shake your hand, one of the questions was what's your legacy gonna be? Is like yeah. I just keep my word. Yeah. Is when I met Tommy, my life was better because he actually didn't blow smoke up my ass. He did everything he said he was gonna do. And when people partner with me, it doesn't mean your life's gonna get really easy. Yeah. Because we got a commitment to make this company grow. What it means is I'm going to help you make great decisions. Mm. You're missing out on marketing. You don't have the right KPIs. Your CRM is not programmed correctly. Like those are things I build. And I've got a whole technology team. So we develop a lot of stuff that's not created. The APIs into different things and help the, the machine learning happen. Like right now we've got an AI tool. It listens to every call when we're out in the field. And it makes sure we're offering service agreements till we offer a new door. That's, every customer is offering so a new door. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I never thought about that. But yeah, if you have AI listen to conversations and basically checklist your your sales oh, yeah. guys. And it tells Genius. us like
0: the platform we built for a one will work for any company. Like yep. none of our guys are a lot of sell doors. We've got virtual product specialists. We call it our torch program. Hmm. You've got to transfer that to a call. One of 20 people, they got three monitors up. They know what's in stock. They know if the customer qualified for the payment plan, which is when you're using financing, your average ticket goes up 40%. Wow. There's so many opportunities. And I just... I don't know what someone would do if they got into this business now and had to learn everything that we've learned over the last two decades. Yep. But if you got money, I think home service is a great thing. But just understand it, it's not easy. It's not easy. Like people think, man, I'm just going to go do that. How hard could it be?
1: Yeah.
0: If you're ready to give up relationships, work weekends, nights, most people do not have enough money to invest. So they got to put sweat equity in for the yep. f- first five years. And here's another big secret. Is most business owners, they think they're owed something after three years. Like the, the husband and wife will talk and they'll go, "We should buy the Harley. We should buy the second house in Prescott. Whatever it is, they always say we deserve it instead of delayed gratification. Yep. And that kills me because I'm like, why do you guys think you're owed something when this business is giving you so much back? Reinvests the money into that business.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, man. How do you how do you find companies for sale? If you want to buy a good uh, home service company how do
0: you find them so there's companies that locate businesses they, they just reach out but okay everything we do is we're advertising all over the place store and access new garage door news there's like all these different places and we call companies we smile and dial we've got flyers everyone knows that we're buying garage door companies but now pe's getting heavily into garage doors mm. so they got choices the problem is most PE companies, they promise the world and they underdeliver. Yep. They come in and then they retrade at the end. They can't get a deal because right now they're paying 11% of the money. So if you got a company bringing in 10% bottom line, it's upside down. Mm. And I've seen 10 deals fall apart for garage doors where they come back. And we know what we could pay for them. We could pay great money for garage door companies. But here's a secret sauce. We could also let somebody roll equity. And now they own a piece of the main company and they know we're gonna five X it.
1: Yeah. One of my strategies I'm trying to I'm trying to build out right now is, you know, as a a stupid name, but influencer, right? As like a guy with an audience, you know, podcast, the the Instagram, all that like I have built-in customers in the real estate investing space. Yeah. So I'm curious your thoughts on this, what advice you have for me, and I know it's kind of specific, but there's companies out that real estate investors need. Let's call it a mortgage company, agencies. Uh, they need title company, they need appraisers. They need all the things that real estate investors need, and they, real estate investors know me. So I'm thinking if I can go buy a, let's just call it a, a property inspection, or a home inspection company, right? That is a million dollars. I buy it for $3 million. Uh, they're making a million a year in profit, I buy them for $3 million. But now the same as you said earlier, like instead of of, you know, I'm not really rolling it up per se, but because of my audience, I can double or triple or quadruple their customer base within a very short amount of time because I can drive people there. So now I take the million dollar company that's making a million in profit, I make them three million dollars in profit the first year, and sell it for nine million. Or now it's worth nine million, and I paid three. Where am I falling apart on that? Where could that work? Where okay, could that work? Okay.
0: So number one. Is if I'm an investor buying that company from you, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, how much is this worth without you?
1: Okay. Yep, yep. So I don't
0: know if I'd give you the total that you're looking for. If you're just like Joe Rogan's podcast isn't probably worth much without Joe Rogan. Yeah. 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 So don't build it around you. Yep. Build it on technology, build it on something that's different, right? You've separated yourself from the pack and you know, you, you got to understand an inspector can only work in one market. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna, so, so you got to pick the right market. Yep. if You're going to go down that path. So where do you have the most influence? Maybe it's California. Maybe it's a hot market like Denver. Yeah, Florida's great. Texas is great. And then to understand, like, I'd like to see a business plan on how you plan on getting that to work. Like, why use you? Because mm-hmm. they got a fiduciary responsibility not to take any kickbacks. Yeah, uh, I spoke at a huge event with all home inspectors. And there's a lot of, you know what home inspectors sell? Pest control. Mm. 55% of the clients they go to, they sell pest control. So really? There's a lot of things home inspectors get access to because they're on the buyer's side. So they could, I'm trying to partner with them for garage drawers to get the MyQ system hooked up with the cameras and the storage the day you move in. But I like the idea of it. Like everything I invest in, I want to be able to affect the outcome except for the restaurants. I'll help them get a ton of great reviews and I'm going to redo their website to make it more mobile friendly, stuff like that. But for the most part, home service companies, like I want to be able to tell you. I will get you there quicker. I'll be a catalyst and I'll help you get your dreams. But we gotta understand one thing. What's the plan, what do we gotta hit? I'm starting that first because I wanna know where we need to be where you'll be happy. And I wanna help you understand what your life looks like after this. Because a lot of times when you sell, you lose a piece of your identity. Yeah. And a lot of times when you sell, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to set up a family office. You don't know how to get the right lawyers. You don't got the right tax advisors. Yep. And all of a sudden, everybody's looking at you for money and it's hard for people they're like i thought these were my friends Yep. and i'm like i could help people through that transition after the money because i've done it and I, I will tell you i get calls all the time from family and people with ideas and i'm like i'll, I'll give you some money but I, like, no this is one time yeah you got to be very careful because people start looking at you differently yeah and people are like are these my real friends and i don't have these identity crisis i'm like people are like man i lost so much i did this for the last 10-15 years and i'm like well, can you do it again or did you get lucky or do you just not have faith in yourself? And they don't they feel helpless without a team. Cause they lost their core team because the core team needs to stay there. Yep. And I'm like, bring it on. I can do this a dozen times over and I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, we're out here right now in Hawaii doing a podcast. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> life is not that hard, but I'll tell you this it gets better with great people. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that I've attracted the right people. And I think it's it speaks volumes about the people that I'm around. Because they complement all my weaknesses. I never try hard to get good at what I'm not. I want to aspire to be number one at everything I do, but there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. I don't do. And it says A1 from day one. We wear bracelets. This is one of the bracelets we wear. And the culture is everything, man. I would tell you, like, we will be a multi-multi-billion dollar company in garage doors. And people are like, well, could you do that in HVAC? I'm like, look out. Because I'm coming for everything they said I couldn't have. Yeah and all these people that are naysayers, I got a lot of haters. They literally hate the thought of me. They've never <laughs> met me before, but they go, this asshole, if he comes into my market, yeah. and they try to come into all my markets, and they're like, we're going to bury Tommy, and I'm like, I love watching I love <laughs> them, because I'm like, no offense, but you guys don't take care of your people. Mm. Like, We just trained 50 technicians for other companies, and one of the guys, could I read this to you? Yeah. You'll dig this. He sent me a, uh, a text message, And I just posted it. So I've got, I train other garage door companies, right? Like it's called garage door freedom. And people are like, why do you share everything? And I'm like, cause we're stronger together. He said, Hey man, thanks for believing in this industry enough to put this week together. I would be lying. If I said, I kind of wanted to hate what you guys were doing and see the cracks and flaws in it just a little LOL. But sincerely, what you have started is so effing good. I wanted to see you guys didn't care. And were in it to just make money and disgraced our craft. But every single person that I met was extraordinary. Your team not only respects you, but they respect themselves. This was a demonstration of utmost class and professionalism, and I am happy I was in the right place at the right time. I'm sure people are kissing your ass all the time. I don't want this message to come across that way, but please be proud and continue to hold your head up high because you lit a fire under my ass this week, and I'm going to make some big waves. Take care and feel free to reach out if you need anything. Dude. But that's the kind of stuff, and that was a competitor. Yeah. And people are like, why are you teaching all of your competitors you're (laughs) nuts? And I'm like, listen, a lot of these guys are going to do a deal in the next five years. And I want to make them way more money than they can make partnering with anybody else. And if they don't want to sell, no big deal. But why would you have a company? And this is what I disagree with almost a lot of people, like half the people. They're like, just keep your business. Just keep it cash flowing. And I'm like, listen, I had $10 million in our account. I owned a lot of real estate. None of it paid off. When I did the deal... It changed my whole family tree. It yep. changed my mom and dad's life. It yeah. helped my sister, my niece, my nephews. $10 million is a lot of money I had, but now it's like crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, who else can I help now? How could I do this 10 times over with so many more people? Yeah, I think it's just a different mindset. There's a good book by John Warlow called Built to Sell. Dude, I love that book. Yeah, it's And every business should be built to sell.
1: Yep, 100% agreed. Yeah, John Warlow. Yeah, that book, uh, Built to Sell, changed I'm a lot. And i
0: customer. Yeah. They're both awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, so good. Yeah, what, what I love about that concept too that, that really drilled into my brain was even if you don't sell, you build your business like you can sell it because then you have the option to sell at any point. But then also a business that can sell is a well-oiled machine. And so it just makes everything easier in your life. So having the right systems and processes and people and checklists and all that stuff just makes it just work.
0: Here's what losers say. Losers say the same thing. I say, "Did you make money this year?" And they say, "No, we invested a lot back into the business." Yeah, yeah. I go, "Show me where you reinvested. You're just not making money." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I got to tell them the hard truth. Yep. Is I'm like, you've been reinvesting for ten years. You don't make a profit. Yep. Something's got to change. Yeah. What are you doing to change? And they hate change. Mm-hmm. They come in and they say, like, you may have some of the right answers. Like, what I love is like, success leaves clues. I hate the influencers out there. That didn't make it in the real world and they went to teach yep yep Agreed. i look at all these seminars and everything people are putting out i go what did this what has this guy done Yep. like i'm still in the grind i'm yep. fighting every day the fight the same fight the contractor fight my podcast the home service expert just talks about the stuff i'm going through the cfo the, the getting the right finance partners how to recruit talent everywhere around you and i listen to all these other things and i'm like why would anybody listen like the reason people listen to you is you've had a great success. Yeah. Rightfully so. They should listen to you. Do your research on nine out of 10 of the people I see. Yeah. Don't deserve to have that platform.
1: Yeah. There's so many people now, especially in the real estate space. I see, it, I'm sure you see it in yours. I'm just in the real estate space where they own four Airbnbs, two Airbnbs, three, and now they have a court and they're making millions off these courses on Airbnb. Cause they bought four of them. And I'm like, I mean, you did it, but... In 2022. In 20 yeah,
0: yeah. Back when things were very different, I'm like... You know, I'm going yeah. on... Uh, in two weeks, I'm going on Cody Sperber, the Clever Investor yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast. You know, it's funny. I, which one? The Bigger Pockets podcast. Yeah, yeah. I was just asked to be on. yeah. I, that's the, that's the show I was on that's the show
1: on for a decade. Oh really? Yeah, back in the day, yeah. Oh, it's been awesome. it's been a year since then. But yeah, that was a, that was my beginnings.
0: So I do a little bit of real estate. I got a company called Lead Geeks where we sell motivated seller leads. Yeah. And we ranked number one in the nation for mm. sell my house fast. Really? So yeah, this was yeah. years ago when we had the algorithm beat. Like yeah. literally thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of links. And it wouldn't be uncommon for us to sell 300 leads in a day. Mm. And we just had a software called Bobberdoo. The software is called Bobberdoo. I don't own the software, <laughs> but it would literally text. It was almost like um, whoever bid most for the lead would get that text. Yeah, and there was another what, what the. It's been a while because I've got a partner I haven't been involved in it, but there's another guy that was doing it that killed it, and he built like a franchise model. I think it was Sell My House Fast. This is franchise. But yeah, yeah, no, there's tons of money mm-hmm. in that. I wish I knew now. Or then what I know now about these leads, because it wasn't uncommon that we could go buy a lead. Somebody's like, uh, someone died, right? They sell it for like 50 grand, the house that was worth 200. And this is before any of these companies came out and were offering. See, the smart thing that they did is is get with like Blackstone and BlackRock. And they said they could pre-sell the houses to fit three bedrooms, two bath, two car garage, not on a busy street. They'll buy all those yep. and they'll pay top dollar because they got investment dollars going in. And then I learned about a couple companies that go into these houses and they'll replace the air conditioner, they'll replace the garage door, they'll put everything into it to say everything's got a 10 year warranty, mm. which makes it a really solid investment. Yeah, that's smart. It's interesting stuff. And now I'm seeing the real estate market kind of churn. And I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that. You know, real estate does good over time. In yeah. 2007, we saw it kind of declined for the first time ever. But real estate, it's like when you see everybody and their brother talking about real estate, it's probably time to get out. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about home service, and there's going to be a reckoning. Yeah. And the bigger are going to get bigger because we can weather the storm. We've got the money to do it. And there are going to be years that you might not grow, but when it turns into a buyer's market, that's when the real growth occurs because you're buying things at a discount. Yep. So the multiples go down. People are struggling. They say, hope for the best plan for the worst. Like right now, people need to be thinking not how are they going to grow dramatically over the next few years, but how are they going to weather the storm? Yeah. What things are they doing today? And they're not waiting. What's the first thing that you think people cut during a depressed economy?
1: Ooh, marketing.
0: Know, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a death spiral. Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest mistake. Yeah. I'm going to cut marketing because I'm not getting enough leads and I'm yeah. going to continue my payroll. Yeah. Then they start writing checks to themselves. 'Cause they don't want to make people feel bad. They don't yeah. want to have to make the tough decisions. And that's tough to be in that spot if you're a leader. Yeah. But I'm ready for those tough decisions. And it's not about getting rid of people, but it's about doing the right thing for the community as a whole, which is the business. You're likely going to be a billionaire at some point. I okay. If I don't become a billionaire by the, in three years, then I, I made a really, yeah. <laughs> really stupid mistake.
1: <laughs> you know, that's a question I get all the time because people just you know, it's a it's a judgmental question. When's enough enough? Like how do you how do you answer that question? Well, because you can't spend it all. Anyway. I get
0: that question all the time. And, you know, typically most entrepreneurs, they say, when I get to a million bucks a week, yeah, then they say, when I get to a million a day, they're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. But my rule is it's got to be elf, easy, lucrative, and fun. And mm-hmm. I learned that from Joe Polish. I love it. If it's easy, lucrative, and fun, when is enough enough? I'm just getting started. Yeah. I'm in the fetal stages and the money how many more people can I help? How many more could I influence? You know, I was yeah. on the stage about three weeks ago. There was about 400 people in the audience. And uh, and I don't do this on stage very often, but I said, I got this weird phone call two weeks ago. And I said, um, a guy I barely know said, hey, listen, I know you don't know me. I'm not an angel. I'm not a messenger of God. But he showed me an image of you. And you were on your knees praying and crying to him did you make a deal with the Lord, you know, Jesus? And I got goosebumps. I go, this is really weird, dude. I go, yeah, I did. And he goes, well, he wanted me to remind you of your deal and just make sure you're living up to it. Mm. And I was, two years before that, my dad was dying of COVID. His oxygen fell below 60. And I was on my hands and knees saying, give me one more chance to have my dad and I will give it to you. I know this isn't the platform, the right time to do this. No, please, man. I went out and I I made myself vulnerable. And I said, you know, Jesus has done a lot for me and I need to give it back. Mm -hmm. I need to give him the credit. And I've done a lot of great things, but it wouldn't be possible without him. And what he told me, that guy said, your life has never been better, right? And you've got more time with family. You're doing the things you love. And he said, remember who brought you there and always remind yourself. And I said, this is really like, yeah, so. It was interesting. And then about two and a half months ago, I'll tell you an interesting story because this is right up your alley. My cousin, um, this was several months ago. She's got a doctorate degree in health and fitness, and anatomy and physiology. And she goes, Tommy, you're the smartest guy in our family, probably. She's like, You read more books than I've ever seen anybody. (laughs) She goes, You're better on stage, you're wealthy. You have fun. You're the life of the party. She goes, why don't you love yourself? Why don't you take care of yourself? And I was kind of like, F you, you know? (laughs) And she's like, no. She's like, you could be in the best shape ever. She's like, why don't you work out? Why don't you do a cardio? Why aren't you eating right? Why do you drink so much? And that was like heavy on my heart. I was thinking about it. And then I saw Andy Elliott and he's like, dude, when are you going to get in shape? (laughs) And then my other cousin called me. Yeah, my hard. other cousin called me and he's like dude i'll bet you 500 bucks who could get in the best shape before halloween october 31st and then i bet another buddy five grand so i went to the doctor i went to my buddy who's the most ripped out of any friend i know and i call him up i'm like give me your doctor what do you do he goes you're gonna get your urine your blood and your saliva tested and i got on four peptides and i've been on trt for years yeah and anyway he's like okay so i, I started working with my trainer like hardcore And I started eating right. I cut out the alcohol. And I went from 26.7% of the DEXA scan in 60 days I'm less than 17%. They said they've never seen 10% done in two months. (laughs) So I'm trying to get to 12% by the end of October. Dang. And I've just, I've never felt like, I feel like I could fight the Hulk. Like, (laughs) my mind is sharp. I'm focused. And I feel really good. And I got to tell you this. I, I was embarrassed to be on stage. I looked at my... I wasn't like fat, yeah, but I was considered obese, 27%. But now I'm like, I smile in the mirror a little bit more and people are like, dude, what are you doing? And now I get to influence a lot more people. Like everybody that I work with is like slowing down their alcohol. They're quitting smoking, yeah. they're eating right because they see me do it. And now I have that obligation yeah. to like lead from up front. And that's the one thing that I was missing. And people were like, I remember some people were like, man, you, when I drink, I can go ham yeah and it's not like i it wasn't hard for me to cut the alcohol the hard part was eating protein every day yeah and i'm on all these supplements too four peptides shots of nad like i'm doing ivs twice a week i go get a full body massage i recently saw my buddy's one of my doctors and he's retired he did really good with uh crypto and he's in there and i was like hey man i got some like sun moles i was like would you would you just laser them off and he did every mole on my body. It was like 200. There were small ones. So like you could see kind of wow. where they were. Like there's one. Yeah. And so I recently did that and I, I went and got my teeth whitened. Mm. I'm getting laser hair removal and just things that I, like the what I started investing in myself and people are like, what happened? And I'm like, I just started thinking I'm not going to be around forever. I'm 40. I want to be mobile when I'm 80. I, I'm going to pay it forward. You look at Grant Cardone. 65 years yeah. old great shape. So I started like I'm taking probably fifteen different supplements, lots of vitamins. I love the the multi-purpose gummies too, but my doctor was like, those aren't even really good. So <laughs> quit buying those from Costco, I'll give you yeah, yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, my, my guy did the same thing. He's like, "That's a, that stuff all crap. Here's the good stuff. And now I have, like, the grandpa pillbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that
0: I'm going yeah, through every day. The, yeah, And then I got... So I bought the baby formulas. Like, they're stackable and they unscrew. Uh, so now I can put all my protein shakes. Because they're all mixed with greens and different stuff. Yep. Creatine and yep. different... Like, literally, there's, like, three different scoops of stuff in each one morning and afternoon. Yeah. So now I just carry these things around and it's easy. You just unscrew one, pour it in. So... I've gotten ultra organized. And yeah. that's one thing I do too is like, I've got a full-time, the, the housekeeper mm-hmm. and we're just building SOPs every week for her Yeah, to become better at how Amazon deliveries, how I want my boxers, what what needs yep. to like, none of these make it into the dryer.
1: Mm, yep. Yep.
0: The last gal didn't speak English and she ruined a couple jackets <laughs> and those were a two grand a pop. Oh, but you know, a lot of people go, why don't these people listen? I'll do it myself. Yeah. And I go, when is the last time you actually decided you were going to come up with SOPs? Like you got an executive assistant, the first thing you do, here's my tip. Is next time you're booking your plane ticket, put a Loom video or do yep. a Zoom video Loom, and record yeah. it and talk through it. Yep. Say, when I'm flying more than one hour, like I'll go southwest if it's a quick flight. Yep. And this is when I use a private jet. Yep. I use my chat links. And then this is when I want to use first class. And here's when I'm okay with the delay. Here's when I want to do the red eye. Here's my TSA number. Here's where I'll use clear. Like, just explain it. And then you go through your emails and you start explaining, this is this relationship. Here's how I'm responding. And build standard operating procedures. And they'll never be just as good as you. Like, it takes six months to train an EA. Yeah. And people are like, they just don't get it. And I'm like, look back in the mirror and start taking accountability. There's a reason why the last three EAs have failed. There's a reason why you want all the credit, but you don't want to take the bad stuff. Yeah. Like, take ownership. And what I realized one day during COVID, I had a line outside of my door. And each person walked in and they said, I'm, I I want to cut my pay in half. They said, my wife makes great money. I want you to get through this. I want A1 to be healthy. One person gave me all their sick time. And I didn't really need it because the PPP came short after that, the yeah. money. But I read this book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It's
1: one of my favorite books of all time.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a fantastic book. And he explains what he wanted in a woman. Mm, yeah. And he writes down a hundred things and he reads this list and he goes, I can never get a chick like this. So he had to write down a hundred things he would need to become. Yeah, And when I read that and all these people are coming, they're just so kind. I had to write down things that I would need to become to be a great leader for them. And as I shifted who I was and the leader and to, to lead from up front, the people started to come. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you build it, they will come. And this was like the ultra case for that. Yeah. And I just know one thing. I, I'm very fortunate. I I will say I'm at the right place at the right time a lot of the time. And I owe it all to this team and just God's been really great. That's amazing, man. I've been very fortunate. And now, very happy to say I'm in the gym the other day and the trainer goes, let's put 225 on. 22 times. Perfect form. Nice. So I'm gonna get to 30, and then I'm gonna get the, the you know the combine. Yep. So I'm gonna try to get everything that alignment does in the NFL. That's my goal.
1: I love it. Yeah, you know Alex told me you told me something Alex actually at the end of the year, uh, and I noticed it the other day, and it, I was like, it's true. You said this. You said you just gotta stick with the gym long enough to start seeing results. It's gonna, it's gonna take you six months, and if you stick with it for six months, you're gonna look in the mirror and go, oh. Now I see a change. Now I like this. And like, for the first time the other day, I looked in the mirror. and I was like, dude, I'm like getting, I'm getting arms. I'm getting shoulders. I was like, oh, and I'm like, I'm at six months in. We've been going to the gym now. I've been going three, four times a week for six months. You need that, feedback. And now I'm oh excited. Gosh. Yeah. It's, like, it's feedback. like money too. Yeah. Like you said earlier about business, like, oh, people quit too soon. Or they yeah. want to take Three money feet out. from
0: gold. Yeah. yeah. Right? They don't understand. They're so close. Yep. And they spike the ball right at the end zone. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You're so close. You're one higher away Yeah. You know, they get fatigued. And I'll tell you this. If I had a toxic relationship with a with a woman or if I had kids that just needed, I took some sacrifices. And I think kids are God's gift. Yep. Like, I think it's the most important thing in the world. And I want kids. I'm 40. I'm going to be an old-ass dad. But yeah. that's what that NADs for.
1: Yeah, there you go. Bro. I just turned 40. I don't have kids. Yeah. 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 You guys need kids. It's great. You first. (laughs) (laughs) I'll work on it. Yeah. No, yeah. Kids have a, I don't think it's a bad idea to establish yourself well, but man, kids add a purpose to the wealth in a greater way. And so like I became more aggressive and better at business and better at life and better at guarding my time because of kids, not the other way around. I know a lot of right. people who just wait to have kids for years because they want to get the business right. I'm like, no, you can you can do both. Kids add well, a constraint that makes you better. My,
0: my big thing was I didn't want to be on a, a clock that yeah, yeah. I need to have kids by this time. Yeah. I just felt like, if it comes, it comes. Yep. And I don't think there's a perfect time. Yeah, Everybody numbers. can make an excuse. You, you know what's crazy is people say I don't have the time to work out. Mm-hmm. But they've got Hulu. Yep. They've got know. HBO Max. They've yeah. got their amazon and the netflix and you look at it i'm like here's what i want you to do but i want you to park at the farthest spot when you go to costco yeah i want you to walk the dog i want you to get up and have three conversations a day for 15 minutes on the phone walking yeah like there's you could make time yep and you can make time for anything it's an excuse and that's yeah. one of the things i start with entrepreneurs is let's look at your calendar yep are you going to own the day and are you starting with the hard things first and a lot of people, man, they don't know how to budget. They don't yeah. know how to lead. And these are things that can be learned, thankfully. But I love working with people and I love saying, you know, I I don't beat them up. I just say, listen, are you ready for change? Cause I don't want to work with people that already have all the answers. Yeah. What got you here won't get you there. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you're not really receptive to this. So why did you call me? I'm not I'm not being a douchebag. Yeah. I just want to know. You wanted advice we're going to make $50 million profit this year. We're going to double that next year within the next 18 months. There are guys above us, no doubt. I, I say this, look at your inner circle. If you don't get motivated, you have a cage. Yep. And I hang out with really great people and I don't try to change up my friends, but it's just as weird. Now I'm in different rooms. Yeah. I mean, I'm here. Yeah. And you, you look at this stuff and you're like, I meet a lot of billionaires and billionaires are so more advanced than millionaires. Like the, guy, the guys that are millionaires, they get up, they cold plunge. They'd say, start your day out of it. You know. Billionaires know who to call win. They mm-hmm. understand how to manage talent. Yeah. Like Richard Branson, Yeah, that dude doesn't work a lot. Yeah. He knows how to make tough decisions. Yeah. Jeff Bezos, he makes all his tough decisions between 10 and 12. Yeah. A couple of hard decisions a day. And you look at billionaires, and it's not about the money, it's about the success. Yep. How do you measure people? You can measure in happiness, but how, what's the Richter scale for that? Usually money is a good thing to say, hey, it's only a number. And I don't think there's – when's enough enough? That for a guy like me and you, I will say I'm content. Yeah. But if I know I can still build, yeah. the day that I say I'm, I'm, I've am i arrived is the day I want you to bury me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I imagine having a kid, like going to your kid and your kid's – I don't know – pretty happy in life or pretty good at their Legos. And you're like, hey, when's enough enough for your Legos? Why don't you stop building your Legos? It brings you a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, but you know, it's just stop building Legos because that's you're getting weird about it. I'm like, that. no parrot would say that. It's like, what, what do they build think? Legos.
0: Do, do people really think we're just going to turn off? Like, do, do, yeah. you know, I always ask women that get married to an entrepreneur. Do you think like one day that just dies and mm-hmm. they're just going to go retire? Like, I hate to bring up Grant Cardone again, but I, I was really impressed because he's like my wife. The one thing is she's going to let me chase my dreams forever. Yeah. And that means I'm not going to... But I will be where my feet are. I'll be yep. present. I'll, yep. When I'm there, I'm there. And I'll commit. And I'll tell you this. I think it's important for relationships. 100%. And I've been really focused on like turning my phone off when I'm with somebody because there's always stuff going on. Now, now we've got a million things with social media yep. and just... And I make myself available for a lot of people but I've been getting better. And I think the next big hire for me is a chief of staff. Yep. They could actually sit into my meetings. Yep. I'm when I'm not the there same. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, you got to spend some serious scrilla yeah. on the right chief of staff. I mean, it's not like a $70,000 job.
1: Yeah, I heard a story once about Richard Branson where and I've said this on the podcast before, but he uh, a friend of mine went to Necker Island hang out with him and Richard had like this one guy and like Richard met with this one guy for like Two hours made a bunch of decisions, and that guy, chief of staff, just went off and just he met with all the CEOs of all the companies. And ever since then, I'm like, I I want that. I want that guy in my life.
0: You know, that's that's like the hardest role. I've got a lot of great people. Like I'll tell you this: every single thing that I've grown, I could go back to the person I've hired, or some of it, maybe a little bit of technology, Mm -hmm. but typically, I'm a talent scout. Literally, I'm always recruiting. Yeah, and I just know one great hire. Will set you free. One bad hire will set you back a year. Yep.
1: It's so true, man. As somebody who's worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars potentially, if you lost it all, let's say you lost all your wealth, all your contacts, even your knowledge and experience. So I mean you're just starting over fresh, broke, no money. How do you become a millionaire again? What would you do? What are those steps?
0: So I've thought a lot about this because there's that show where they give them nothing and yeah, yeah. go create money. I would start out where I used to do it. I think the number one car sales maybe is a Honda Civic or a Subaru. So people say, how would you afford to buy that? I mean, listen, it's not hard to come up with a couple grand. Yeah. I can go do scrap metal something. Yeah. I, I can paint cross drawers. I can do something to get my first couple grand. Yep. Then I would just say, what is the best seller? And all I used to do is buy them and clean them up. Yep. I changed the oil. And I can make a couple grand a pop, but it, it takes money to make money. Yeah. I will be honest with you. Like a lot of people don't have this ability to have delayed gratification, and yep. they spend too much. You need to build a mass amount of wealth to make more money. Yeah, It would take a year to build up the wealth, and then I'd go buy a broken home service company. Mm. And I'd say, it's hard not to take what who I am now, my influence. Yep. Like without that, with Correct. just a guy on the street, yep. it'd be very hard to convince somebody to do this with me. Yeah, But I think what I would do is say, listen, I, I'm good at sales. And I'd say, put me in, coach. Let me come work for you, and here's what I'll do for you. I can do that at an auto dealership. Yep. I can do that in a lot of things. But uh home service is where I'd get into right away because that's what I know.
1: Yeah. Beautiful, man. All right, let's start shifting gears a little bit over here toward uh the I got a few segments here at the end of the show. Uh, this segment is called the three two one pivot. It's basically saying, hey, a pivot is a moment in your life where you're going one direction and then something changes in your life and you start going a whole new direction. So we're going to start with three, two, one, three pivot books. So books that change the direction of your life, two pivot people, and one pivot quote. So start okay. with the books. Three books that change the direction of your life.
0: All right. So the three books were How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Influence by Robert Cialdini. Yep. And then Double Your Money in Six Months or Less by Bob Pfeiffer.
1: I don't know that one. I didn't think oh, I want to new bring books. a new one that yeah. you guys
0: probably haven't heard of. That book will change your life.
1: Double your money in?
0: Six months or less. Okay. And it came out in the 90s. So it's it's a awesome old one.
1: Love it, man. How about uh, Two Pivot People?
0: So I got to pick Al Levy, a cyber power contractor. He yeah. just turned 70. And then my father is helping me through puberty and taught me how to hustle. When I was five years old, I went to a a uh, garage sale with him. And he goes, you really liked that CB radio, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, how much was it? I go, 20 bucks. He goes, here's five. Go get it.
1: Ah. <laughs> and he taught
0: me how to negotiate at five It. five years old. Like yep. My dad was just always teaching me life lessons.
1: Mm, beautiful, man. All right. And then one pivot quote.
0: <sighs> I got two quotes. I love it. I'll take it. Okay. I am your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper or your heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I'm completely at your command. Have the things you might as well turn over to me and I will do them quick and correctly. I'm easily managed, but you must be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done, and after a few lessons, I'll do it automatically. I'm the servant of great people and the Alice of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those who are failures, I have made failures. I'm not a machine, though. I work with the precision of a machine plus the intelligence of a person. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Train me, take me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am habit.
1: Mm, You know, I was going to say ego.
0: (laughs) And then this is one that I got blown up every time I walk outside of my office. I read this and this is a daily thing. I read the master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and, and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which he simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does. Leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing, because to him he's always doing both. And that's what we're doing here. That's and that's my life. is yeah. I'm never really working and I'm never really vacationing. I'm yeah. always in the midst of both. Well, amazing,
1: man. What a great, uh, a great uh, quote there. All right, next segment, past, present, future. Let's start with a uh, past. What would be your advice to your younger self?
0: So the first thing I would say is, Tommy. You're good at a lot of things. You could fix anything, but I want you to only focus, figure out how much your time's worth and buy your time. Mm-hmm. Buy as much time as possible and become an expert in delegation. I would tell young Tommy that. And I would also say, be careful who you hang out with. Yeah. Because you need positive people around you all the time pushing you up. And there's a lot of haters out there. And there's a lot of people that didn't want to see me win. And I didn't realize that some of them were close friends of mine. And I would say, invest in a great CFO. If you invest in that person, cause that was one of my weak suits. I don't think anybody goes in knowing how to do complicated pivot tables and understanding what real EBITDA is and yeah. all those things. So those would be the few things I'd say and fall in love with arbitrage because it's the coolest thing you buy here. So there's this book called The Clippership Strategy. And in the 1860s, there was a San Francisco gold rush. And they could take these clipper ships. It took three days to go all the way around the United States. And so they buy them for a buck. they sell them for $10. And that was arbitrage, right? Arbitrage, if you master it, you will be a billionaire. Mm. And it happens all over the place. It happens in commodities. It happens with coffee. There's arbitrage everywhere. It's identifying it. And I would recommend reading the clipper ship because it tells you where money's being unproportionately distributed within the United States, like opportunity zones. Yeah. Like when you learn where the government's pouring in money, yep. it's free money Yeah, if you know how to do it.
1: Awesome, man. All right, what's something you've done in the last six months, well, maybe six months to a year, that's just giving you a better life in general, some new habit or action or
0: So obviously the, the health thing has been huge. And just understanding I do have weaknesses, I would say. I don't think I'm done with alcohol forever. Yeah. But I will say is it got the best of me for a while. Looking in the mirror and not feeling weak because of that. Because I have issues. It's just being honest with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, no one believes them is because they lie to themselves every day in the mirror. And they say, I'm going to become a better dad. I'm going to become an honest husband. I'm going to be a better leader. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to quit smoking. And then they do nothing. And there's no change. So if you lie to yourself every day and you're content lying to yourself... How's anybody supposed to take you seriously?
1: That's such a great point, man. How's anybody else, and how are you? How's your subconscious going to take your conscious choice seriously? You're not. Oh yeah, well so you just start negative to, spiral.
0: Literally, if you ignore your subconscious, it'll start to fade away.
1: Yeah. And the legacy question, uh, you know, you addressed it a little bit earlier, but I maybe want to pivot it a little bit. At the end of your life, when you die, people are going to talk about you, and they're going to say, you
0: know, man, that Tommy guy, he. Yeah. So when I die, I think people are going to come to my funeral. And what I'm hoping is it's a celebration. I thought about this when I read The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, Stephen Covey. And I want people to just say he cared. Mm. He loved more. He was a genuinely guy when he walked in the room. You ever get a phone call and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, you just don't want to take it? That's yeah. my test. Yeah. And I hope everybody, when they get my phone call, they're like, hell yeah. That's cool. So, I hope that's my legacy is just he brought more than he took. Yeah. He was an inspiration. He had fun. He was funny. He was, and he had a lot of empathy because I get some phone calls and I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. What does this guy need? Yep. And it's just like they, they just, they want, want, want. I want to give more than I take. It's got to be somewhat close to 50 50. And that's what I've learned. I give so much without asking anything. That's not a great relationship. I had somebody tell me recently is, why do you take all these people's calls? Why do you help people? They don't give you any money. And I go, it's probably my downfall, but I was in their shoes not that long ago. yeah. And like, I deserve to pay it forward, but I'm trying to get more efficient with that. Instead of like talking to a hundred people, have them come in for a shop two yeah. for two hours yeah, yeah. and answer all of them, like build efficiencies around it.
1: Yeah. That's smart. That's a great little test though. I like that. The uh, When people pick up the phone, are they happy that I'm calling them or are they like, oh, what's he want? Oh, oh yeah, you guys watch this. Just Literally,
0: everybody. <laughs> that, that now, now I guarantee the people yeah. that watch this, if they look at their phone, yeah, like start thinking when because if you go like this, yep. Here we go. Yep. Hopefully, it's not your way for kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever just not take it? Are you? Are you? Oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Literally, at the end of the day, I send a lot of text messages, yeah. and I really don't want to talk yeah. to some people because. Literally, I hate it. Another meeting that should have been an email. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. Or just a quick update. Like some people, but here's my favorite calls is when a guy calls me and says, dude, I just, I just tore it up. Like I learned something. Yeah. And I love those calls because then yeah. I can share it with the whole company. Yeah. I tell everybody, if you got great news, call me. If you got bad news, I'll give you five of the manager's numbers to call. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring me down. Yep. I'm living on like cloud nine. Don't bring me down. Like we've got people to handle that. I'm the good cop. Yeah. I tell everybody that works for me. Like I don't fire people. Yeah. I'll tell you who to fire.
1: Yeah. That's the man. Why do you have an uh, an Android, not an iPhone?
0: I do have an iPhone, <laughs> um, but the Android is what I prefer. I guess it's like anything else. You get comfortable with it. Yeah. The iPhone I like the videos better, so I make a lot of content. Yeah. But I'm the green guy, and I, I got to tell you, some of the stuff. If you look at long term, there's way more droids than iPhones in sure. the world, but eighty percent apple in the united states yeah steve jobs passed away i do think if you look at an open source like android it's got the potential to overtake a closed system over time so i'm trying to go where i think it's going to be long term but i that's why i have both yeah i don't have the iphone with me on me right now but i think they're both great phones but i i also think there's really no privacy yeah like all of a sudden you're connected to a different device and I'm not trying to hide anything from Bree or any of my employees, but I've got my Goldman Sachs account and all this. Like I've, There's like a security issues, too, yeah. that I'm like, you know. Dude, you everything
1: understand. you said was so impressive, but that excuse for not having <laughs> the right phone,
0: <laughs> that... That long? <laughs> it was a long excuse. <laughs> yeah, that was a stretch.
1: Oh, you know, Android might catch up. <laughs> I just love how Apple makes Android users just feel like they're second-class citizens. That's well, just it's what funny. They like,
0: do. I, I use Facebook uh, Messenger to do video, yeah. like what you guys have in your, fa- uh, what do you guys call it? FaceTime? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've just learned to kind of just probably should be carrying a pager now that you guys might <laughs>
1: I'm not giving you a hard time. I, Andrew, it has some great stuff. I just thought, uh, I wonder if there was That's like a, a political, question. yeah, maybe there's like a yeah. political reason against it or something. No. All right, man, we got to move this thing on. Let's got two more questions for the end. What are you excited about? What's coming up next in your life or something that you're pumped about?
0: So I wrote the book Elevate, yep. build a business where everybody wins. And the whole concept of the book is really ask people what they're dreaming about. Get their bucket list, peel back that yeah. onion and help them win. All your vendors, instead of saying, give it to me cheaper, faster, Say, what is your one-year goal? What is your three-year goal? What is your five-year goal? How could I help you? Oh, I love that. Ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Not only with your customers, but your employees, your vendors, your partnerships. In the game of business, there doesn't need to be a lot of losers. And what I was always taught is in every sport I've ever played, there's a winner and a loser. But yeah. in business, we all could win. Yeah. There's enough water in the ocean for everybody. So I'm excited about what we're doing with that and this, this event. Yeah. It's called the Freedom Event. And it's in... Orlando, november 1st 2nd and 3rd and really my main goal is to teach people how to build a business that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars and people are like you can't promise that and i go listen i know how to build hundreds of millions of dollars every business has a potential if they want it they got to get out of their own way we've got to have a plan and every business that's out there for the most part we could get under five years build that but it's going to take a lot of work it's like if i show you how to get a six pack it doesn't mean doesn't you got to eat it. healthy, you got to yeah. sleep right, you got to drink the water, you got to get on the right like you got to still do the work. I'd say I'm building a house in Idaho. What part? In Sandpoint.
1: No and way. It, I have a house in Coeur d'Alene. Do you? Yeah, I'm going oh there my God. And,
0: yeah, dude. We're going to be neighbors. Yeah, when are you going to go there? How like what's your what's So, I'll, I'll be going out there one more time this winter, but I got to show you. I got to show you the computer. Dude, I would love big. to see it. It's yeah. so uh ponderay Lake. Yeah. It's right, it's about 45 minutes away. Yeah. And I love Sandpoint because they got the mountains. Sandpoint's amazing, yeah. They got the, they got, and then they got Gaza. That's not far. Yep. And now we're gonna be neighbors. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're there twice
1: a year. With Julys and Decembers, we're there. So. Oh, that's
0: great. Yeah. We're gonna have to hang out. Yeah, dude. There's actually.
1: Look at July. So July, there's like this convergence of like real estate and business people that come to Coeur in July and so like we're always just like like fourth of July hanging on boats there's multiple ones everyone's oh, yeah. an entrepreneur everyone's I mean. a yeah it's so fun every July like fourth of July in Coeur is the best thing yeah so yeah we're. I was out.
0: there for fourth of July Wait, that's yeah that's so
1: funny yeah dude it's great all right man uh yeah small world that's crazy all right uh very cool freedom event uh yeah dude I'm gonna be actually in Jacksonville right after that Hmm, maybe I'll have to you should come hang out I might come hang out that would be great Uh, we'll talk offline about that that sounds awesome and where do we find out more about you where do people connect with you follow you all that good things
0: so Facebook Facebook and I'm on Instagram the real or the official Tommy Mello you can find me on TikTok all the main forums but Home Service Experts is a free there's like 8,000 people and I answer every question personally on there that's where I go and like
1: the Facebook group Home Home Service Expert Home Home Service
0: Expert yeah, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Twitter, it's just official Tommy Mello. Yeah. And if you got any questions, like, I try to answer every question. That's all. Awesome, I try man. to make sure to help people, and it's my way of paying it forward. So um, the first book was called The Home Service Millionaire. The podcast is a Home Service Expert, and then Elevate, and then the new one's about ADHD.
1: Yeah, when's that come out?
0: Um, I got to get with Mark. I've yeah. done my end of the bargain. I'm just there waiting on unfortunately on him he's a busy guy
1: i had dinner with him a few months ago he was a, he's a
0: fascinating dude so isn't it yeah, yeah he was just in Sandpoint. yeah he was texting me pictures oh, that's awesome
1: well man this has been amazing thank you for joining thank us you're you. awesome dude i appreciate, appreciate you. being out here in Hawaii. And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback. I look at the feedback. And we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash best life. abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.